That's a wrap. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. Hey all, it's Val here with an editor's note, and I'm breaking into this episode to let you know that we currently have a giveaway in progress. It's because Matthew Good had a birthday on the 3rd of April. And by the time you hear this, that would have passed. But we didn't want you to miss out on the giveaway because the giveaway goes on until the 9th of April. That's Friday, this coming Friday. Anyway, the 9th of April at midnight Eastern time. That's when it ends. Check your time zones, compare that against Eastern time zone, and then you'll have your deadline. We're giving away a TV tie-in copy of Shadow of Night. We're giving away a Bath and Body Works foam bath. The scent is called Fire. We chose Fire because Matthew Good happens to be a fire sign based on his date of birth. That's how we figured that out. See, we're so smart. And we're also giving away a Man Against Flames Kabashan necklace. And if you don't know what that is, on the U.S. copy of Shadow of Night, if you look at the spine of the book, There will be two Hilliard portraits there, and the man is supposed to be Matthew. In the books, that's who it is. So we have a necklace with the man against flames, and we will be giving that away. So you notice a trend. They're all Matthew-centric, either Matthew Claremont or Matthew Good. There you go. That's how we came up with that. And don't miss out. Make sure you enter your giveaway. And I'm going to get out of here so you can hear the rest of this episode because you're not going to hear us for the next six weeks after this. All right. Have a great six weeks after this. Bye. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie. And with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. What are we talking about today, Angela? We are talking about (laughs) season two, things that we liked, things that we were confused about, and everything in between. Yay! Yay! That's awesome. I know. Um, AKA our wrap-up episode. That's right. It's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a rock, you mean. (laughs) It's a (laughs) rock. It's messy. Oh my God. Very messy. So that's why I'm going to give you guys a spoiler alert right away. We are not careful in this episode at all. We're going to be covering books. We're going to be covering the TV show. We're going to be covering previews. We're going to be covering what else? The trailer for season three. Retrospectives. Retrospectives. New cast. Old cast. Yes. All of that. That's what we're talking about. So if you don't want that, probably stop it right now. (laughs) This won't help you at all. But if you're interested, keep listening. Yeah. Yes. We're still giddy from last week. Because uh, yes. we just did yeah. our interview with Jane Tranter. By the time you hear this, that will be online. And if you missed it, go back and listen to it because because it's awesome, <laughs> so good. She spilled some secrets. I'm like, I'm still giddy. We got her to spill a couple little secrets, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she meant to. <gasps> no, you were Val was actually the attorney because she was like confirming everything she was saying and pulling out more. She's like twins, and you're like, so there's twins. <laughs> yes, you can't so there take it back. Twins. Yeah, <laughs> and then the. Chris and I'm like, so there's a christening. And <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, my God. What a great episode. And what a great 
I mean, it was so nice she was, to have she her was on. Wonderful. She was really sweet. Yes. And she was so patient with us because we kept having technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> and she really uh, loves, she loves to tell stories and she just loves books. It just shows, her passion was is, just so yes. inspiring. Yeah. Well, maybe we should pay her bills. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> So let's do that. This podcast is sponsored by our listeners. Listeners who have joined Patreon and have decided to support us via Patreon. This way we don't need ads. I did that frying pan thing that kind of fell flat last time, but I think the proper way to have done that frying pan thing after Diana smacks Matthew with the frying pan, we probably should have said... The better use of the frying pan would be to take one of these meals that they send you once a month or <laughs> yeah. twice a month and cook in it. See, that's why we would fail as advertisers and we'd get fired. So yeah. <laughs> tie-ins are not our thing. Not our thing. Gene, why should somebody become a patron? Because for the low, low price of $2 a month, you get double the demons with our after show. You get previews, outtakes, and whatever fun stuff Valerie can come up with for our Patreon website, blog, whatever you want to call it. There's been yes. a lot of interesting stuff in there lately, and that'll continue. Yep. And as you go up the levels, you get swag. You get pins, you get buttons. Sometimes we've got the enamel pins. Sometimes we've got bags, t-shirts, whatever. We've had coasters. We've had stickers. Lots of stickers. We've got the best mm-hmm. stickers. You can cover your whole piece of luggage with our demon stickers. And <laughs> when we all get to travel again, you'll be able to find your luggage. Yes. It's a public it's, service. It's the one that looks totally hollow because you've covered it with hollow stickers. <laughs> Which yes. is good. And we actually have a prize theme this year for Demon Roulette. Yes. What'd you call it, Angela? The, the Divination Package. Right. We won't reveal it here, but yes. those of you who belong to Patreon, patron, Patreon patrons, <laughs> Patreon patrons, that thing, <laughs> you'll know when we announce what the mm-hmm. divination package is. Yes. And no matter your level, you're qualified for it. Right. We actually have to draw for first quarter today. Actually, we should. Yes. Yeah. Be yeah. ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But nonetheless, we're helping our patrons. Whoever wins this package will be able to channel their inner Emily. That's right. Without being a crackhead about it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys are interested, go ahead and join us at patreon.com slant demons discuss. So yay, that part done. I don't know. Let's start the wagon. Let's just go into general discussion, shall we? Sure. Let's go. This general discussion is brought to us by Eric Ravensclaw. Thank you, Eric. Thank Thank you, you, Eric. Let's start out with things we liked in general. Yay. Angela. Just at the basics, the FX, so the special effects were way upped this season compared to season one. I wasn't disappointed by any of them. Diana's not work, the appearance of Cora, um, just anything. Sets were amazing. Bringing Elizabeth in London to life. James North and team did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. And then I'll stop here, but pacing. The pacing was spectacular to me. I loved the the fast-pacedness of each episode, whether they're in the present or in the past. Mm. Okay. So, Gene, how about you? I like how we fleshed out Kit. That was one of my big things. I I liked how almost every new bit, the adaptation added in, I just loved. 
I love the modern episodes were beyond my hope. The bits with the queen was great. The fact that they ramped up Matthew's spycraft and just oh, how yeah. dang- I mean, just how dangerous that was for him because we really didn't get a sense of that in the books other than the jokes about James Bond, the glove maker, and and the fact that yeah, well, he's the Queen spy, right? But, I mean, we really got into the nitty gritty of that, which I really really loved. And then with Kit, we did stand in his shoes because it's not just Diana's point of view. Yeah, wow, we're j- he's just trying to tell you some dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a truth teller in that sense, but also mm-hmm. you got a whole sense of of what it really would be like for your best friend to go away for the weekend and come back an entirely different person like somebody else is living in his body i mean god that's scary and i know that these are buzzwords unconscious bias i'm a little bit bitter over it because i feel like the demons in the show no one listens to and kit reminds me of that but whether it's hamish or whether it's agatha or whether it's kit he is the voice of reason to matthew and matthew dismisses him and yes kit goes off the rails later on but he's influenced by a vampire no one gives the shit to the vampire it's always the crazy demons yeah exactly that's another thing that i thought they did a really wonderful job about or with is the whole illustrating in very subtle ways how demons are second-class citizens. I mean, down to the fact that Peter and Jabir, they were worried about the witch and the vampire page. It's like, uh, demons <laughs> have one too, dude. Right. And it's <laughs> just as important. Yeah, it's probably more important. What the hell? <laughs> but I mean, all those little tiny things just added up. They worried about the small stuff. And that's what I love about this season. They worried about all those small things that added up like you said with the pacing angela it just made everything that much richer mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think with the maybe it's the libra side of me that also sees you know downplaying the demons is like you're supposed to think that because yeah. there could be something yeah. you know it's... bigger in the in the bigger picture yes and the thing is with the whole peter and gerbert sitting there plotting no one invited agatha to these talks she might have something to say and might have something to offer that would save both their asses you know what i mean and it's just they don't even consider her no the entire congregation except the demons are wheeling and dealing with each other yeah 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 and then when gerbert and peter sit there and plot how much do they actually take to the other members of their group when peter's sitting there talking to gerbert does he go back to the witches and say, okay, I just had a meeting with Jerbera no, and this is Peter's what happened? No, Peter's can in this season. I mean, we've got uh, Satu's off doing her satuing right. with her grandmother. And then Ethical Witch Dude was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> nowhere right. to be no seen. <laughs> no sickest month for us this season. I know. And he's probably like, la-da-da, you know, he's probably yeah. filing all the books in the in the witch archives. And, yeah, you know. dusting and, you know, doing his thing. <laughs> Got to dust that crocodile. Because <laughs> <laughs> fucking Satu's gone and Peter, where the fuck he, is he? Someone's got to clean the place. Yeah. Pe- yeah. <laughs> Peter's like that, the worst manager in the world. He's that manager right. that just like goes off and does whatever. And is like, well, why didn't you get this done? Right. And then there's Gerber. We know he doesn't back brief Baldwin on anything. Right. Or Domenico. He just yells at Domenico because Domenico's working his own little scams. They're all, you know? I, mean, the, I think the vampires, they're always working their own deals. Philippe was probably no different. The congregation, to me, the whole concept is a farce. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like they're working towards the greater good of creatures. No, Maybe I mean, Agatha. I, Maybe that's it. In a way, it, it was kind of like 
our Congress and it was like nothing but here's all the backroom deals going on, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to play act in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, when we're by ourselves, we'll say something totally different. Yep. There's that. And what I loved, actually, was we got to see what Domenico was doing. We never got that in the books. And I appreciated that. What did Jane say about that? The Venice Vampires. I love yes, that. Yes. I love that we got to see that. So I'm glad that he brought that to the forefront. Although I like the goody scenes, I really wish the other witches had more of a voice, but that's fine. I'll bring that to things. Is that confuse Yes, you? I have that on my list too. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring that to the other things. Things maybe we didn't like. So that's one on that. But in general, I love this season. Oh, what about Louisa? I, Louisa was great to me. Oh, she was amazing. Yeah. There was a lot of things that I actually loved and didn't know I wanted until I got it. And I was mm-hmm. like, that was fucking perfect. Wow. Yes. The queen scene. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like. I should be really mad because you're like kind of like changing history and telling people their future. But this is just so good. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. It was kind of like uh, Gene, you and I, when we agreed about him breaking into Diana's rooms in the book the, in Discovery, which is like, it's so wrong, but we want it to happen. I know. I know. It's like, oh, but it's, it's, so, it's so quintessential vampire. All the Everybody's Snoopy in this book. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Matthew's Snoopy, Phoebe's snooping, Diana's right. snooping. It's like there's so much snooping. And in the beginning that was another reason for me to hate him and I, yeah i was like oh he's a jerk and he fucking sneaks around in people's houses too everybody Fuck is. that guy kids yeah. snooping think about it who's yeah who doesn't who isn't snooping right I mean, right philippe's doing the best andorra imitation i've ever seen <laughs> popping up everywhere yeah i liked it of course on episode five and six oh, marvelous yes. Yeah, that leads into this comment that I have is Matthew Good and Teresa Palmer were outstanding in this season. They just upped their game from season one again, just like the special effects. But the nuances, the way that they could contort their mm-hmm. faces and the looks that they could give each other and the other characters, I thought and that it doesn't just end with them. They're the leads. But I feel like every single character was outstanding in season mm-hmm. two. Well, yeah. and like Jane was saying, how they were able to just attract so much talent to season two. I mean, you get, mm-hmm. you know, James Burfoy and, and Tom Hughes and Barbara Merton and Elaine Cassidy and, and Sheila Hancock. I mean, mm, it was good. Geez. All of it was good. I loved it. It even seems like when we get to this part, things maybe we didn't like. That seems minor compared to the things we liked. Yeah, I mean, we got I liked, so much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of makes me scared for season three, but no, I. No, no, stop. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop. Put it in the freezer. Okay, it's in the freezer. Yeah. It's in the freezer. But I did that to myself for season two, too, after season one. I was like, yeah. how yeah. the hell are they going to do that? So, oh, in man. Bad Wolf We Trust. Yes, yes. definitely in Bad Wolf We Trust. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So. I don't know. And I said this in our one of our earlier TV show review episodes. Not, okay, not only are they, are they outstanding actors and actresses, but I really felt like they read the books, understood the characters, understood the story, and cared for how they yeah. portrayed the characters. They really thought yeah. about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it wasn't just direct book quotes that ended up in the show. They breathed life into them. I know it's always cliche, but it's true. 
Yes. Well, how many times did you watch and it clarified something for you in Shadow of Night where it's like, oh, Oh. that's what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, like Matthew. Of course, you can't see it from Diana's point of view. Diana knew he was off doing some dangerous shit. But when you actually see what the Mm -hmm. fuck he was doing, he could have been killed 15 times over for some of the shit he was doing. Yeah. Just in here. And the best part about taking us out of Diana's head and seeing everything that's going on and all the shit that Matthew's dealing with, you also realize, Jesus, she is reckless as hell. She's part of the problem here. Yeah. And of course, when he's overprotective like that, he's going to like contort himself to stop her doing whatever it is she's doing. So you kind of got a better view of where they were coming from. It's like, you know, when we were doing the chapter reviews of Shadow of Night, we were yelling at one or two of them like (laughs) what the fuck are you guys doing but here we kind of see why each of them takes the actions they do yeah and yeah i liked it this expanded point of view is like she's a hot mess too you get to see her reactionary side and her not necessarily thinking things through especially with sophie no, with Rudolph, too, especially yeah. with Rudolph, yeah. but with so- yeah. with Sophie and just like wandering off in the street. It's like, what are you oh, even my thinking? Bad. Susanna, Susanna, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, I, I didn't even catch so, it. <laughs> so Susanna, Susanna. Well, Let's just call her Susanna and be done with Susanna. it. Susanna. <laughs> was- I like that. That was reckless of her. And maybe we have to have a little bit of equality here that we love Matthew for his hot messness. Yeah. And maybe right. we have to love Diana for the same. I mean, yeah. our- Okay. Aren't we all hot messes? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, there are all all times in our life when we leave chaos in our wake. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's no avoiding it. It's the human condition. Or do things that are not so smart. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, my trip to Nordstrom's this week, not good. <laughs> yeah, it depends on who you ask. Right. <laughs> it depends. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much there that, you know, like Diana, she does some harebrained shit. Yeah. But she has she has a mission. There is a reason why she's doing it. But maybe she didn't think it through. You know, she thought, hey, it'd be cool if I go outside and catch this strange lady that looks like Susanna. Well, <laughs> and, and the other thing that it all boils down to is the whole way in which truth gets dealt with in this season, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the truth tellers all get hassled. You've got Kit trying to explain to Diana that he's not he's going to be forced to be not your guy. Right. He's going to have to be his right. old self. And his old self is a scary, scary dude. Trust mm-hmm. me. And like she's she's all poo poo. You're just trying to get in between us, you know, and then you've got Baldwin telling Marcus that, hey, you're putting your trust in the wrong guy because they've been blowing smoke up your ass for a couple of centuries and he gets the poo-poo. Yeah. You know, and even when Pierre's trying to help Diana as they're headed to yeah. her, towards set tours, she's like, poo-poo's him. She's like, fuck off, Pierre. <laughs> Everybody's telling her, you need to pay attention. And then Diana, or I should say, Matthew finally learns, it's like, okay, you tell the truth with with that scene with the queen that's another thing he has his epiphany that hey i tell the truth and things work out better and then you've got diana who's still not telling the truth with 
Father Hubbard and, and Galloglass when she's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going off to meet, say goodbye to the coven, da-da-da-da-da, with a big fat lie bomb there. And it's like, okay, this is going to turn into something next next season for sure. She still hasn't learned her lesson with just telling the <laughs> truth and being up front. She was truthful. She just omitted some shit. Like, yeah. I'm going to stop to see Father Hubbard first, but, you know, I'm yeah. going to say goodbye to the coven. And Galaglass, hello, where the fuck were you, dude? You know, (laughs) stop indulging her. You must insist on fucking accompanying her. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. (laughs) That that was a Galaglass fail. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For me, season two boils down and gets distilled down from Philippe's advice on two fronts. One, thinking and staying alive. Everything they're doing, even... Even with the queen, his, you know, I'm going to tell the truth. That's thinking, yeah. staying alive. He's trying to keep his head, you know, and that's for a lot yeah. of characters, how the reactions play out. Think and stay alive. I mean, not to mention that it's Elizabeth in London. That's all you're trying to do is surviving. Yeah. That's um, and then the other thing for me is evolving, ad- adapt and change. A lot of the characters evolved like Isabel. What mm-hmm. an evolution there. Wow. Yep. Yes. Oh, that last scene with her was perfect. Oh, yeah. Just, all right, bring it now. I mean, that was the look on her face when they left. She's like, okay, bring it. I mean, a a butterfly is too delicate for Isabeau, but she really was the butterfly that emerged from the cocoon. Yeah, I hate to call her the iron butterfly because that has bad Margaret Thatcher connotations, but But she is, though. In a a good way, she is. (laughs) Yeah, because you need that. And Mm -hmm. we just saw the face of the general. We saw Philippe's mm-hmm. general. And for anybody to think that Marcus was in charge there. No, he was going to learn how to. He's probably going to learn how to be in charge next season. Yeah, he, he's all of his lessons are going to be like next season. I feel yeah. it was no mistake that Isabel was holding the seal at the end of episode 10. And I'm not saying that she's going to take it over. I'm just saying she's been the secret weapon all along, even for yep. Philippe. And she's going to be there for Marcus. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. What would Philippe do in this part? She's there for him. She's, I don't think that's Matthew. Yeah. I don't think because Matthew held it during a time of peace, relative peace, and paid off bills. Matthew was paying bills. That's about it. Yeah. He, he ran the accounting <laughs> office while he was last in charge and just was kind of a placeholder. In the books, I'm, weren't they like down to like 10 nights or some yeah. shit? Like yeah. just basically had like, he just had the provincial masters who were probably just forwarding bills to him to be paid. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the ninth night, the Seneschal and a mm-hmm. few other knights here and there just scattered. He's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's something that's really interesting. I, I can't wait to see that's going to play out, which ties into all this. Yeah. Is remember when Isabeau says Baldwin's this way because he's missing his father. Yes. And then you've got Marcus shooting his mouth off and doing right. his thing at the end. And, and Baldwin makes his play and diverts attention with the fact that baby Margaret exists. Right. I'm interested to see how that her insights going to evolve. And uh, I think it's going to end up affecting how Marcus does things. He's not real good about putting himself in other people's shoes either. He needs to his empathy needs to evolve to be a truly effective leader. And I think we're going to see is about teaching him that because honestly from the books i would never never expected such an empathetic answer from from isabel but i like how in the adaptation that they've fine-tuned that aspect of her and i think they're going to highlight the fact that you need that empathy to truly be a good leader one of the places that disappointed me in the books i Uh think is when diana was having that bout of sickness when they had just gotten the page and they were rushing to the bodleian Mm -hmm. and baldwin had called and ordered all of them to 
get where they were going. I, I can't exactly say where because we're not there yet and it's been mm-hmm. a couple of years. But at one point, Diana said, I hate him after they hung up the phone with Baldwin. And Isabel uh-huh. says, I do too. And I'm like, whoa. And I right. remember reading that and yeah. saying, whoa. Well, she's always in, in same thing in Times Convert. She has a lot of shitty things to say about him. But I mean, which is why when she said that in the adaptation, I'm like, there you go. Wow. That. She might not have kind feelings towards him, but at least we can see she understands what makes him tick. Well, yeah. and the thing yep. is, is they've got such a parallel journey in a lot of ways, too. I mean, yeah. they're both bereft with the person who was their guiding line. In albeit in different ways. And like I've I've said before in our chapter reviews, I I think there's a component of jealousy to their animosity because they were always both competing for his attention in different ways. Right. The who can miss Philippe Moore contest. Or or he's spending time with her and not me or he's he's off fighting wars with him and I don't get to be there. Just as simple and profound as that. Right. And there was a whole other component in the books where Philippe didn't show his melancholy when Isabeau decided to take off. Right. You know, because she didn't trust Philippe's love for her. She'd take off and test it occasionally. Yeah. And I remember there was a point where I forgot got whether it was Marcus who brought it up or something where she would take off and Philippe would just be utterly sad. Yeah. And and you have to think about it. It's like Isabel had some issues, too. And maybe yeah. that's why she made such you know, crazy children. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah. Even, it, it was that they separated. But there's a line in the book, too, that they took other lovers. Yeah. Yes. And that Matthew said, yeah, that won't be me. I won't be doing that. Yeah. So mm. <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> oh, wow. Anything else that we can talk about that we liked in general before we go on to things that confused us but oh, go ahead Philippe everything Philippe. about the way James Purfoy portrayed played him. him yes I mean he yes. got all the nuances he got the I want to strangle Philippe because he's being very Philippe-ish to yeah that's the daddy I got the crush on I mean he played the whole <laughs> gamut yes you know you understood just how complex he was and he played it so subtly, but between the, the cues you would get from the set decoration and everything else, you had this this subliminal sense that, yes, he's a god, too. Yes. He has the goddess in him and he has power in him. And his is it's a, that bank strength that we talked about mm-hmm. when we're at Mount St. Michelle and yeah. Matthew transforms in the book. I mean, you saw that on screen with Philippe. He's gregarious and fun, but he's also like no fucking nonsense. Right. Yeah. And I love that. We didn't see the gregarious and fun part until later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of me is a little bit sad that we didn't get to see yeah. him, but, but, you know, we don't have... We didn't blow we didn't, up a clock. I mean, I was kind yeah. of sad we didn't get any of that. <laughs> oh, I, it was pretty much like Jane said how she explained it. We're going to need 10 episodes and it's up to Sky to say, okay, we'll do 10 episodes. Yeah, I mean, they had to go gravel for the extra two. I mean, gosh. <laughs> no, They probably asked for 12 and they said, we'll give you 10 because that's yeah. how it always works. <laughs> At least that's how you should negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> I want 15. 10. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah, that'll work. If you ask for, oh, I'll take 10. And they like, sure. It's like, oh, shit. I should have asked for more. I know. Don't you want Shark Tank? Yeah. <laughs> well, <it's> like... <laughs> All right. So let's go on to things that confused us. Go ahead. The heart vein. Yeah. yeah. Where it was. I'm like, 
<laughs> I, I know we were really tight on space, but man, the, the, it was disjointed, dude. The emotional arc was just so weird for me. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I just needed a little bit better blending. I mean, because they went from his Matthew's monologue of, uh, about his blood rage into flash forward, they're laying on the bed, a la Twilight style. Yeah, you know, for the, right. <laughs> the morning after Bedlam is like, oh, that's kind of weird. That is weird. Also, after we did that episode where, God, I think I was wondering where it was at. And I was kind of right, but I flipped the two incidents. Mm -hmm. So when Lobero was the first fight, when they brought Mm -hmm. Lobero in, Mm -hmm. the Cora one was right after the hunting scene. And Mm -hmm. so they kind of got that right, actually, when she threw the fire against the door right after hunting. Yeah, I kind of wish they would have resolve that scene and stuck the heart vein in somewhere in the somewhere uh, in there yeah in the Prague episode but then i think they had to get so much done in the Prague episode there just wasn't yeah. room Prague slant bohemia so let, let me clarify yeah. that for our listeners who will be like what Prague? there was no Prague in bohemia yeah, I, okay. I think for me that was my confusion because that really belonged in that episode but then when you see how the episodes break up i can see why it didn't go there because there was nothing that could be cut it's not like you could take out the cabinet of curiosities and you don't want to lose anton lesnar for for the mahal right. because his role was so reduced already and then there's nothing to cut <laughs> More or less. I don't have a problem with the placement of that episode. So the heart vein, because I feel like he saw something in Diana. Like, I didn't know that you had a familiar. I didn't know that you had this power inside. She saw him at Bedlam. I didn't know that blood rage was to this extent. So I felt like it was a good spot to say, hey, this is how we can decompress and get and know each other on a continual daily basis by this ritual. So I didn't have a problem with that. But I just had a problem that all of a sudden it was like, I thought it was the end of the episode. I thought the music was going to come on. And then bam, it was it was the scene. And I'm like, okay, there should have been some kind of transition. Transition. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I think all of that just compounded one another for me because like, yeah. it was very clunky. Yes. The scene yes. itself was well staged. and But it's like, like, oh, shit, we forgot to put this in. Boom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have yeah. this scene. Where should we stick it? We need to stick it somewhere because we're running <laughs> out of season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the book, the chorus scene where they got into it, this was the big, mm-hmm. huge ass fight. And they had just went hunting. Rudolph was just being his nasty ass skeevy self mm-hmm. during the hunting. So they get back and Matthew was just pissed. He was just like, uh, because this is when Rudolph had suggested they have a mask and she should direct it. And they were coming up. He kept coming up with all these skeevy uh, ideas, skeevy right. ideas for plays. And, <laughs> and Matthew was just like, yeah, no, no, yeah, he's so I, I won't be doing that. And Matthew was right at his rope and right then he's like yeah I don't want to deal with this and then she sent Cora out after him and he was like stuck there so they did it at the right point that fight right there but it should have happened right after that it should I I felt like they could have placed it a little bit better because at that point when he couldn't go over there Diana talks him down for the tree and says look you're like Sarka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't be free. And I see so much of you in that bird. And mm-hmm. that's when he breaks down and he says, I can't, 
I have yeah. all this in me and I can't control right. myself. And that's when they go into the heart vein thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could so, smell everyone on her too. Yeah. yeah. It was a big thing. And she kept saying, I can't help it that you're jealous. And he's like, no, this is more than that. This is not right? what this is. Yeah. Not what it is. And then he explained and then he's like, this vein, this is how we can tell this is how we know we're honest with each other and mm-hmm. that's when it evolved mm-hmm. and it made so much more sense because he was so hesitant he was hesitant he did not want to take her blood and she had to talk him into it and right. here it just felt like she laid down and she's like yeah go for it <laughs> yeah and the right. other thing that they kind of glossed over with that is, is like that it's such a huge moment as far as truthfulness too in the books yes yeah and it's not only just a truth telling device it's Mm -hmm. intimacy as in i don't i would never take it from your neck because that's just what vampires do to someone they don't know just a a unknown a random i want to take it from your heart vein because that means you're my mate right and it made so much sense right there in the books because in every little intimate scene he kept being drawn to that spot yes right like during when they first made it after the wedding yeah when they made it in isabel's courtyard his thumb rubbed over that spot and she kept wondering why is he so fascinated with his spot right over my bodice and and it gelled right then we're like oh that's why and it gelled in the books too when she said about him wanting to take her blood you lied to me and he said i lied to myself and he you could like like sarka he was always having to pull himself back right and not be free mm-hmm. right and then after that whole thing he was able to feed he was able he went out and you know and fed like a normal vampire does mm-hmm. he took better care of himself because he did not have to worry about diana he wasn't freaking out about that because they had these regular sessions of communication yes mm-hmm. so that improved his life a lot and you know he got bulky Less puny. Less puny. <laughs> Less puny. <laughs> so it wasn't outlined so much in the TV show, but you know, they have limited time, man. You have 10 yeah. episodes to get this rich book out. How are the fuck are you going to do it? They did it the best they could. And they did a wonderful job. I mean, because that's really the only kind of like really clunky complaint I've got. Right. And, you know, things that initially confused me. Um, oh, the miniatures. I- Oh, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. <that>. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have that in the things maybe we didn't like category, but <laughs> uh, yeah, the miniatures. Mm-hmm. I wasn't confused by them. I was just more like, mm. yikes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a yikes. <laughs> and I think that was part of our conditioning too, because part of the book in the in the U.S. version, anyway, you see the two actual Hilliard miniatures on the spine of the book. Yes, mm-hmm. on the cover. So you're just like, yeah, these are them. Why couldn't they use them? Were they copyright issues, or even make them look more like those? I think my biggest thing is the renditions that they didn't even try to. I mean, I understand why they wanted them to look like Matthew and Teresa. Yes, but they didn't even in the least bit try to mimic the style the style there was a specific style yes you look yeah. at a hilliard miniature and it's a hilliard miniature like the one of mary sydney the fact that oh my god she looked just like the miniature yeah it was yeah. wonderful i think they were compromised too because the ones on the real ones on the spine diana's hair or the woman's hair is down and flowing and in matthews he's the man among flames it's you know flames in the background and gene you'd brought up that those were intended for each other and i see why they were mm-hmm. changed because but they were compromised, in my opinion, because they had to be given to Jack. Yeah. So you, 
could, you were not going to have a, a sexy look in your eyes. One. Yeah. Intimate one, right. Yeah. And that added to it. They're all zipped up and buttoned up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her hair is school marm. And, <laughs> and the yeah. whole, whole business of giving them to Jack as a gift was just kind of awkward, too. Hey, we made get, these, so it's cool. I get, I get that it moves the plot forward for season three, but it was kind yes. of like, that's like a weird thing to give an eight-year-old. Well, and it ties into the present episodes in season two, the whole yeah. miniature. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, we see that coming. Okay, so here we go. I'm stepping into it. Things maybe we didn't like. Who wants to go for mm. that? I don't, I don't want to. I don't. I'll just quickly go because I don't want to belabor it because we talked about it in episode 10. But, you know, I don't like Steven. <laughs> no, I put it this way. I love Steven. I love Steven. And I love Steven even more than I did in my first reads in the books because I love the way he's portrayed by the actor. But I feel like they could have... He's supposed to be on not Philippe level because Philippe is the access of the All Souls universe, but he's not given enough credit. I feel like he's always like, yeah, that's what your mom saw that. Like, it's almost like he's just a conduit. And he's not a powerful witch in his own right. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and he was so Debbie Downer. It was like, yeah. I know. He was mopey. He was like yeah. the, the, the mopey rabbit. Yeah. Or uh, who's that dog? Is it Droopy? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Or Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, even the way he sat, shoulders shrugged up to his ears. And, you yeah. Know. Yeah. Fearful. Yeah. Kind of yeah. fearful. And, and that was not Steven at all, I thought. No. It, it felt a little bit weird. But, hey, I mean, I'm glad they brought him in. Me too. And it, it moved it along. But I felt he could have been a stronger father figure in that moment because Diana needed it. And in the books, he was like, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What the fuck is this? And they get into a little bit of a fight and Stephen's like, all right, you just think about it. And she's like, yeah, I know we fucked up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But then he's back to Stephen. He's like, all right. You know, yeah, I'm gonna go kind out. of kind of fun and jolly and hanging out with the other witches and in kind of right in the adaptation, which is probably again a function of time. He's kind of more of an ex deus machina who's just comes in to deliver exposition <laughs> and a pitchfork up the ass to get them moving, and that's right. about it. Right, you don't get right. all the other stuff, and you don't get Benu, and you don't get the visuals that really show that she's her father's daughter. I think that's what yeah. right the, the biggest thing that was missing with Stephen in the adaptation is you didn't get the sense that she was truly her father's daughter yeah or a display of his power right yes. awesome oh i don't know how to do yeah i don't know how to do that i'm self-taught i don't know nuts. right like some of the most <laughs> powerful people who know how to do shit are self-taught, self-taught. so you know i mean they made it so ominous with goody saying there's another weaver in england and then it was nothing nothing burger you know, yeah. Steven. <laughs> this is my weaver gene <laughs> yeah. how about you well, backing up, I think my other big thing, it's more of a thing that confused me, was okay. uh, the old fox. He was so mm. devious and he had so much of his own agenda, which yeah. certainly you don't get that sense so much in history or in the yeah. books. But here he had his own agenda and he seemed to have his own axe to grind when it came to the witches, too, which kind of bugged me. Well, yeah, I think he was uh, politics today where you see the little lackeys spreading the word of. Yeah, everybody is like looking to establish their own power base. And I have a similar take on it, too, that he was Queen Elizabeth's right hand man for many years in real life. And there's this element of and I'm sure other people were vying for her ear, but he he always had it. So introducing a, a Matthew Royden or Matthew Claremont into the situation is clearly historical fiction. Yes, 
I hmm. so his reaction to it and how they played on that, I guess, you know, is historical fiction, but doesn't mean that we totally got it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think it's just that the reaction between the book and the show were so markedly different because he was almost being played more like uh, I would put him more into a Peter Gerber kind of camp in the way that he was how he was being manipulative. Yeah, Yeah, his machinations would put him in that that yeah. camp. And the fact of the matter was, it seemed like in the books that Matthew and Old Fox, they were the two studying. he's my ally. He's my right hand to help me keep her on an even keel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like my weapon to like piss her off. I almost mm-hmm. feel like it's a difference of Deb, that part of history being her specialty that she's like, I revere Lord Burley, there's no way I'm going to mess with him. So in the books, this is how mm-hmm. I'm going to portray him. Yeah. No messing with history. And the writers were like, we can. We, we, need, <laughs> we need to ramp up the drama here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We can, though. But he was a really good antagonist, especially. I love that scene when Kit went to him and it's like, I'm not the one who betrayed him. You need to tell him. And he's like, ah, fuck off. Right. right. <laughs> it's your problem. Go away. <laughs> All right. So here are the things that I wasn't too keen on why the hell was Walter or Henry even there yeah oh yeah you know definitely <laughs> I mean I you almost needed Henry more than Walter yeah because Henry Henry at least took Jack at the end but <laughs> Walter I don't even know what he did yeah and he proved himself to be useless in that <laughs> I mean, scene. In the one, the, yeah that one queen yeah he gave some bad advice and walked away I'm like what was that all about He's like, I'm in trouble with the queen, too. So sorry, pal. You know, it's like, what good are you? (laughs) Bygones, I've got to go shtup my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And Henry was just there. I don't know. Um, I understand that we had to keep the school of night somewhat intact. And maybe that's why they were there. But on the same note, also the other witches in the coven, I really wish they would have had more to say. <laughs> I have my notes. The, the coven was just like a flash mob that showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Meanwhile, the person who really wasn't contributing to Diana's knowledge really was Susanna. Yes. She was, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's just sitting there. <laughs> she's like, she's there to give advice occasionally, you know, or let Diana know what's going on. We had some really great actresses playing the other witches and they didn't even get any lines. (laughs) Yeah. Really? Wow. And it was like nothing from Catherine, the fire witch. Nothing. No. Elizabeth Streeter, water witch. Really? Nothing. Okay. No. You know, I mean, not that they got a lot of play in the books, but they all had something to contribute. They all had a role and they all had at least some exposition. They were there to keep the circle, really. Yeah. (laughs) And then there was one other thing that was real. The the dark magic. Oh, that annoyed me. Uh, It's like higher magics, people, not dark magic. Magic is neutral. And uh, here we go. And uh, I think we're in the part of Book of Life where Diana said something about, I don't want to do dark magic. And then Sarah came up and she's like, well, is the new moon dark? Is it bad? You know, where Sarah comes up and explains it's not bad. Unless your intentions are bad. Right. So she's like, the new moon is a symbol of the crone. You know, the crone waning and that's it. And she's like, the crone's not bad. She's a symbol of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And and it's maybe part of the unknown. So dark magic isn't bad. And in most of the books, it was 
discuss this higher magic. But don't they say that about Emily when Sarah and Emily are talking, they say Rebecca always did like higher magic. But when they talk about Peter, Stephen says, oh, he always liked dark magic. So they they did differentiate. It's the same magic, but they call it different things because of the intention behind it. Yeah, but but then she kept describing it as dark magic when Emily was out there, you know, sneaking around doing her thing. And if you think about what Diana does, she does higher magic. It could mm-hmm. be dark. Yeah, it could be. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it, it, they kept throwing around the term dark magic and didn't we didn't get that speech pulled fo- forward from from Sarah. From Sarah. Yeah. And then the other thing is, too, is it's like she kept telling, why are you playing with dark magic, Emily? And it's like, mm, it's yeah, like, it's like, huh. is there a backstory we may get next season about what yeah. it had a bad effect on her in the past and changed her from sweet, empathetic, mild mattered Emily to so, dark magic, yeah. crazy woman. <laughs> Mr. We are the weirdos. <laughs> The way they portray it, it's like, okay, Satu, we already established that Satu and Diana are equals, right? Yes. But in Satu's mind, that isn't dark. She's trying to work for the congregation. She's trying to Mm -hmm. contribute. She's trying to get what they need out of Diana. Right. But in Diana's eyes, of course, that's going to be dark magic. Fucker. But look what Diana can do. It depends on where you are on the spectrum and how you're looking at it. Either one can be considered, quote unquote, dark. It's just higher magic. So and I understand why Deb kind of straight away from that and the only time dark magic was mentioned when is when diana was like yeah i don't want to do dark magic and then sarah just bit into her and said listen right (laughs) let's that's that's not how that works yeah there's got to be a backstory in there for sarah to be so concerned about her dabbling in this and that it had must have had an adverse effect on her at some point in time and she wasn't just like sweet sweet lovely emily and something bad happened maybe right for her to be as upset as she is. And they didn't go into that in the books either. They they just kind of colored over it. And it's like, yeah, Emily was dabbling with, you know, some of the higher magic. She was playing with shit. But why? Why is that bad? (laughs) It's like, even in the books, I'm like, why is that bad? It's like recreationally (laughs) using heroin. You kind of (laughs) can't. I just think I'll have a little bit. Yeah. I'll just try it. Just a little taste. All right. Hmm. So anything else before we gavel this discussion? Oh, 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 oh. One, it's not so much confusing. I've got my my one last little observation, which was a lovely addition. And this is my world and I'm living it until they crush my dreams. <laughs> the fact that Matthew got a wedding gift as well from Philippe. We see the scene at the end where we think it's the arrowhead and, and from some of the other stills and whatnot, I'm pretty sure it probably is the gift to Diana. Yes. But he gives Matthew the, the fibula and even more importantly, he, he gifts him with the story about how he found it. And that fibula, when you look at it, it it's for holding a, a cloak or a mm-hmm. toga. Philippe makes the point that it was blue. So, I mean, you've got the, oh, you know, cute. It's a wedding. He's giving him something borrowed and something blue for the groom, too. But two important things. Most fibulas are shaped like crossbows. And then oh. with the blue, generally the stone most often seen in that era 
would be lapis lazuli. And that in many cultures is thought to be sacred to the gods and a stone in which the essence of the god dwells or goddess. Right. And when Philippe tells a story about how he sees the glint of blue and he reaches down to pick it up and it saves his life from an arc of arrows. Right. You know, the arc of arrows makes me think it was the goddess protecting him. And it was right. one, of, one of the thing, gifts that she gave him that marks him as her emissary or her messenger. And like the arrowhead where he gifts it to Diana that basically said, I'm handing my job on to you. I like to think about the fibula as him handing the responsibility on to Matthew as well, which if you think about it, makes perfect sense in the story because they have to be able to do this together. Right. In order yes. to fulfill the goddess's plan, not only it takes two of them to make a baby, but in order for them to bring forth the new, you know, the brightborns and support them and help evolve from the congregation, it's going to take both of them to fulfill the yes. goddess's yes. purpose. Yeah. And I like to think that the writer's room thought about that and decided Matthew needed a gift too. But I'll probably be wrong. Right. But I'll live in my dream world for now. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, from Diana's point of view in Shadow of Night, Philippe, when he's bestowing his gifts upon her, he mentions, I have some other money and some gifts for Matthew. I haven't gotten there yet. But I like that we got to see him in this story gift it to. Because yeah. we're going to assume that, was one of my that favorite he's going to give Diana some yeah. stuff. That was yeah. my favorite moment. Yeah. They got to spend some time together where they're not fighting. Yes, it was good. So that was my last thing. Yeah, that was my last thought. <laughs> and if you think about it, the way they did it, it could have been the same amount of time because remember, Philippe said, hey, in two days time, you're going to be married. Next scene, they're getting married. So we're assuming two days had passed. So they could have spent just as much time there in the TV world. But we just didn't feel the time passing mm -hmm. like we did in the book right. world. We knew they were there for over two weeks. And, you know, and then we got to have there for a while. Twelfth night and Christmas and Saturnalia yeah. and all that stuff. Before they even, but had they had to no. Leave, they so. didn't get to film in the snow because they filmed in the summertime, so we didn't get Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> there was no always winter and never Christmas. It's like there was no winter, so we don't get Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind that. Uh, there was I. a lot of stuff that I looked at in the TV production. I'm like, no, that didn't happen that yeah, way. In the books, I mean, I didn't. Cool with it. I love yeah. dogs, but I didn't miss Lobero. Yeah, trying to find a Commodore yeah. is probably going to be a pain in the ass. Let alone one that's trained to work on TV. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now, I hope we get the dachshunds next season. For yes. Timothy. I hope we get, I hope Timothy, we get Timothy next yeah. season. <laughs> More importantly, I hope we get Timothy. So, Or, I'm sorry to bring this up again, audience. Jillian, what the fuck happened Damn to Damn it, it's like the goddess <laughs> story. The Jillian, it's all the Gs. The goddess story, the Jillian story. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Did she die? Did Sylvia take her out? What's I, I going on? I, I don't honestly care. And if she doesn't show up, I'm presuming her yes. dead. <laughs> my, my, my search party is being called off. Can we just have like a one-line explanation at least? It was like, oh, she died. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not. I know we're not going to get get one with Teemer because Julian's off mm -hmm. being in Shadow and Bone, which looks lovely. But that's a whole thing for the after show, right? Oh, we need to talk about our next oh, thing. Yeah. Speaking of trailers, our next thing, right? Let's do that and save it for the show. Mm -hmm. Let's save it because there's a lot of stuff that we need to discuss that has happened since we published all these episodes oh, yeah. one through or ten. Or as we were dispersing them, actually. So Yeah. Yeah. We were like, what? What? Well, this is the episode where we're going to discuss mm -hmm. it. Everybody good for now? Mm -hmm. Good for now? We still have a save it for the show, so that's yes. good. 
All right. Let's go on to housekeeping. We haven't done it in a while. Yay! Wow. Sponsoring housekeeping this time is Lori Warren. Thank, Thank you, you Lori. Lori. Thank you, Lori. Housekeeping. All right. Who wants to start with their housekeeping? Oh, sure. Mine's from Stephen. And it, it's so, so <laughs> apropos. Oh, but look, I said a foreign word. <laughs> apropos. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Not related to any specific episode or episodes, I noticed that the Francophone characters, like Matthew and Gerbert, pronounce tours the French way. Whatever that might be. <laughs> I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> with the silent... Our French is abysmal. With the silent S at the end. The non-Francophone characters like Diana and Satu emphasize the plural S at the end of tours. This started to irritate my yes. pedantic self before I recognized the consistent use by different characters. I now believe this was a deliberate choice for the TV series narration. Thank you for adding your commentary to the series. Take care of yourselves. Stephen. Thank you, Thank Stephen. You, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. We miss you. And so he was talking about when me, the American me, reads that and sees sept tours. tours. <laughs> like septic like system. September. Yeah. <laughs> sept yes. tours. That's what's annoying Stephen when it's actually setor. So as opposed to I'm terrible with that. <laughs> yeah. So mm. and uh, I whatever's natural for you. I yeah. mean <laughs> I, I'm just, I try to keep the S off, but I ha I can't do anything with the yeah. P. Sorry. <laughs> I did notice it in the show too, and it bothered me. But then Stephen has made me rethink it. And I feel a little bit soothed, I guess, too. At least it's not random. It was the yeah, it wasn't random. Yeah. It was intentional for certain characters. Yes. Right. So if you're an ignorant American that says Sepata tours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. You know, I did take French and, and I am aware of that, but I have to take myself out of my just blabbering shit out mind to when this is what makes the podcast possible because I'm able to blabber <laughs> shit out and sometimes and I'm not very mindful. <laughs> well, if you've watched Hamilton a million times or even once when Philip and Eliza are doing the lesson and he's speaking in French and he's saying set, we know set. He says set. He doesn't say sept. Yes. <laughs> yes. The P is not silent for us. No. Yes. September. Do you remember? I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, take Earth, Wind, and Fire out. <laughs> that was bad. Sorry, Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's terrible. Anyway. <laughs> They're not going to come after you for any uh, royalties or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay us to okay, stop. Okay, Angela. What do you got? I have something from Christine. Hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. Hello. And now I remember her as Philadelphia Christine, even though she's not from Philadelphia, yes. but that's where I first met her. Yes. So she says, I have loved this season. It's been very different from the books. I've still been engaged and entertained. I haven't seen episode 10 yet, but so far my favorite episode was six with Philippe. He has always been one of my favorite characters and to see him brought to life, perfection. I'll admit to wishing for more scenes with him, but I understand why they were not there. I did have two issues with the ordering of things. First, when Diana met Hubbard, what protected her from his bite was Philippe's blood vow. Doing that scene before that changes Hubbard's tolerances, and to me, that goes against his nature. Hmm. Spoiler from book three. Knowing his own ancestry might have helped stop him, too, although his want of information would rule over that. Then Diana confronting the witch at set tour. Philippe would allow the witch to steal everything at that point because he was unsure of Diana. In the book, this happened after the blood vow. 
think, stay alive. Right. That is the strongest advice he gave her. And that was left out. It also echoed the advice Baldwin had given her in the discovery of witches, the book showing the father son relationship of Baldwin with Philippe. I can't wait to see episode 10, but would be sad to have said that the season wait has been is now over. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Hopefully she's watched episode yes. 10 by then and she's where we're at. And yeah. Thank you, Christine. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I took two. And mind you, audience, these are just general discussions. All of your other emails regarding the show, we already told you we're going to be doing a little after parties after each viewing on AMC, the cable network. Yes. So there's that. So I plucked these out because they were just general comments. I have two. First one is from Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. She says, hi, I love your podcast. You guys are a crack up. I love y'all. Aw, we love you too. Anyway, <laughs> just listen to the latest episode reviewing episode seven. Okay, so maybe okay. this is episode Pacific, but she did mark general. The Witch's Hand and Rudolph's Collection. You guys are thinking of a hand of glory. It's an old witchy folk magic occult thing originally from Europe. Thank, Thank you, you, Jennifer. We couldn't mm. figure out what that was. I knew there was a right. link to it. No, you're right, Jean. There is a v- version of it in voodoo. Okay. You have to think about the mix. When voodoo kind of landed in New Orleans, there was a lot of European influence in there, yes. too. Yes, so. yes, yes. Well, and I mean, there's a lot of inf- European influence because voodoo ended up being a, a mix of uh, Catholicism. A lot of it's got Catholicism mixed up in it from when they all ended up in the Caribbean. Right. And the African versions of voodoo is Obia. And mm-hmm. when in the Caribbean, it kind of got mixed up. And so when they wind up in various places around the world, it, it's a mix of cultures. So oh, yeah. you're both correct. Yes. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I couldn't knew there was a name to it. And I'm, I'm just so grateful Jennifer wrote in and told yeah. us what yeah. it was. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. So the next one from Becca. Hi, Becca. Hello. James Purefoy as Philippe. Wow. Just wow. (laughs) (laughs) Philippe is my favorite character. When I heard James say Matthäus that first time, I think my heart burst. Of course, I yelped and clapped my hands like the fool I am. James James Purefoy is exactly everything I needed Philippe to be. He is remarkable. His cool, calm, calculating, matter-of-fact demeanor just captured exactly how I see him. Slightly menacing, but so, so handsome. Squee! My heart is happy and I cannot wait to see more of him. I I think there may be evidence of more than just her squeeing somewhere in the archives, maybe? Loving these season two recaps. Eat a Snickers made me spit coffee. Hope everyone is doing well. (laughs) We still have things in the vault how we reacted. So maybe someday we'll release those to the light of day. There's there's material hanging around somewhere about some people. (laughs) Right. You know what? And for you patrons out there, since I haven't really been giving you after shows during this whole thing, it wound up way busier than I thought during these 10 episodes. Uh, what I'm going to do, I do have a track of us watching episode 
five, five and, and six. six. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and some of our reactions are ridiculous. <laughs> it was supposed to be five, but everyone knows how if you had six available to you after five, you would never stop at just right. five. Yeah. At the end of five, we were like, let's just watch the next one. <laughs> you just need to keep going. <laughs> yeah. So we recorded that for you guys. It should be interesting. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> So stay tuned for that. That'll be when we're on our six week break. I will be giving our patrons little extra things here and there. So because I'll have time. Yeah, yes. that's good. OK, so the next thing and we haven't done this for a while. Save it for the show. Yay! Yay! Season three musings. Yes. I know. Mm. So basically the hints we gathered about season three and other things. And stuff. Yeah, and stuff and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this episode, Save It for the Show, is brought to us by Norma Young. Thank you, Norma. Thank you, Norma. Thank you, Norma. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Okay. Things we've gathered about season three. Who wants to start? Well, there's. let's start with the trailer first. Well, we got the trailer. Why don't we start with the new casting? Because I think that's something everybody's yeah. most familiar okay. with. Okay, go ahead. Let's, then, let's talk about the because new casting. Because some, some of the new casting also plays into what we get to see in that trailer. So they've cast Christopher Roberts, right? Yes. yes. They've cast Ransom. Oh, oh hell. <laughs> Ransom. Mm. I'm on board mm-hmm. with Ransom. Oh, man. I'm so on board with Ransom. Hello. He's pretty. Oh, so him. pretty. Oh, God. And uh, who else? Somebody from New Orleans. Uh, Geraldine. Ge- Geraldine. Gen- Geraldine. Genesis. Gosh, I can't remember. Is it Geraldine? She's a yeah. character name. Linnea. Geraldine's a character. She's a cat burglar turned lawyer. <laughs> oh, okay. And she wasn't in the book at all. She's kind of a new thing. She was mentioned in pa- she was mentioned in passing in the books and she was described as an acrobat who could move from balcony to balcony mm. in the French Quarter and I said something to Deb about, hmm, sounds like somebody had a side gig as a cat burglar and she said, exactly. Ah, I got it. I got it. Was it mentioned in Book of Life or Times Convert? Times Convert. I Times thought, Convert. yeah. Yeah, because it was yeah. in the scene with when Juliet and Matthew show up with Louise uh, Delac. So, mm, got it. And who else is Fernando? Fernando. Fernando. Yes. Yes. We get the Sarah Whisperer finally. Grown up Jack. Tony Regbo. Grown up Jack. Okay. So make sure we're not mentioning all the actors. So I'm going to make sure I put those in the show notes. Yes. It's more of a note to me for me to say this. But you guys can listen in too when I make myself notes. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, who else? Uh, so oh. Grown up Jack. We've got Grown up Jack. We've got Geraldine. We've got Chris. We've got Ransom. We've got Fernando. And Tristan got replaced because he got a yeah. bigger, better gig. Yeah, we have yeah. New Baldwin. New Baldwin. Baldwin. We'll see with him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to leave that there. I don't know. It's we'll fine. See. It's not it's, his fault. No, it's, no, it's not no, his fault. But I'm just saying Tristan's not going to get the meat. And he's done such a he's done such a great job so far. Yeah. It's just disappointed yep. for him because it's like all the payoff on that character. And he leaves the show looking like a meanie head. Listen, 
<laughs> I do remember when they first cast Tristan and they served us a picture, a bad, unfortunate picture of him. And it just sent me into a we'll fucking see. Mm. Yeah. You know? And I even said this the other day where we're like, what? What? How? What? This guy, really? And I'm like, we're so funny. <laughs> Because I remember us, we were like, who's this guy? Whatever, Tristan. Now we want him back. But yeah, yeah. it's just the nature of humans or demons, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just our nature. We can't help it. What have we seen? OK, so any other casting that we of note that we need to pay attention no, to? No, we did. Janet and Varen were not cast, so they will not be Frozen. part of season three. We do know that. No right. word either way on Timothy. We do know right. that we lost at least one of the demons on the congregation because Julian Kozoff was uh, cast in Shadow and Bone and I don't think he was available for season three from what we've been able to gather thus far. He didn't so say very have, much so it's fine. He didn't say any. I don't think he said much of anything but he did look pretty. You gotta say I that. I did much. see one post that he said to Tanya Moody like I can't wait to see you again but then we never saw any behind the scenes stuff yeah. with him. So mm-hmm. maybe he did show up. I hope he did. I'm certainly looking forward to this other project of his but we'll see. We're definitely not going to see Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of what other characters are important that we don't see before season three. Whether we'll be trooping from library to library with the likes of Lucy and that, I don't think we're going to have that kind of time. Right. right. Another good question is, are we going to get Philippe and Emily's ghost? That would be kind of lovely if we did. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. I know. Well, we did get to see Rebecca's ghost, so maybe possibly they put aside some footage. Cross our fingers. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, behind the scenes where uh, Sophie Miles was actually sitting there, so she was actually there. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. too. Yeah. Because that was probably the scene where she reached out with uh, mm-hmm. both Owen and, and Valerie. Yeah. It's hilarious. Rebecca! Stupid Peter. <laughs> Rebecca! Oh my God, I'm I here know. for you! When I watched that again, I thought of you guys too, like, everyone seems to be drawn by Rebecca. Like, forget anyone else who's around. Rebecca! Rebecca! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Peter. Sit down. <laughs> oh, goodness. So the trailer, what did we think of that? It was all of 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. It Met, it, to me, it immediately established kind of a mood where it was like, whoo, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it was tense. Remember when Jane said kind of that noir feel? Yeah. So maybe we're getting some of that. Yeah. <laughs> if you slow it down enough, you get a glimpse of the twins. Mm-hmm. In the scene yeah. where, where they're swearing loyalty, uh, which I think is also the christening, is my yeah. guess. I mean, it was pretty fast paced and we got a lot of breath. The only thing we didn't get is any New Orleans, which was no, sort no. of We got Agatha looking like she's taking a stand in the congregation chamber. Or That's yes. right. Sword before the congregation. We got a modern day Hubbard. We got uh, Gallo Glass and Fernando outside the Bodleian. The Bodleian, yep. They were in yep. the Bodleian courtyard from the looks of it. You got Chris with his proper lab coat on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chris was looking very uh, scientific and not very Division One, which was yeah, kind of interesting because right. <laughs> I pictured him a little looking a little more Division One. Right. Got Jack with his ring. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm really happy with Jack, I think. I think I'll be yeah, happy I'm with too. Jack. I am too. You know what? When I saw his picture, I was like, yeah, that's how I imagined Jack would yeah. look like. Because yeah. he's kind of got that River Phoenix vibe. He does. Right. You're right. Which is which is what I always had in my head. And I can see Joshua Pickering growing up to be that type of person. Yeah. 
especially mm-hmm. in the face. So yeah. yeah, I see it. Well chosen. We'll see how it goes. But you know, I'm always like with the new seasons, I'm like, we'll see. <laughs> I, know. I, I do better when I come in very skeptical and then I dare people to surprise me. Yes. There we go. Change my mind. Right. Don't want to be that asshole. Don't want to be the change my mind asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I hate those. I know. (laughs) Um, We got Sophie holding a baby, and I I don't know. People assume that that's Margaret. I did not assume it's Margaret, and but everyone made such a big deal that they saw the twins in the sword scene. That I'm like, what about her holding the baby? That looks like a brand new baby, and Margaret would be at least I don't know three Uh months, four months, much bigger than what she's holding there. And we do know we're getting twins because Jane said so. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. And definitely a christening. Yep. I'm so excited about her even uttering that word aloud, noir. Oh, that makes me so. And the fact that we're actually going to go along with Matthew on his journey. Yes. Continue on his journey. Oh, I'm so sad. It's only going to be seven episodes because it sounds like they've got such a tremendous story arc they're going to tell. Right. And that was because of COVID, right? Yes. Yeah. So I have written down here and other things, stuff, things. What are, Jean, I'm going to throw oh. this to you. What's the other stuff, things that we want to address here? <laughs> I'll leave it to you because you're very animated about it. The bits and pieces that we got from Jane, which yeah. uh, hopefully everybody's had a chance to listen to her interview in full because she was pretty generous with letting us know broad strokes about where the story's going and how it's Matthew and Diana are going to be on separate paths doing their own things, which it really interests me because she, she was so perceptive about Matthew learning. You know, I think we're going to get a big dose of Matthew learning to let go and not protect mm. his queen. Which is good because that's essentially what he did in the books. Yeah. But, you know, we were with Diana the whole time. Yes. <laughs> so we didn't get to see what Matthew was really doing. I mean, we got glimpses of it. Yeah, we got glimpses he, with Ransom. But it was like, and, yeah, here we are. We're carving grips and yes. sending texts. But I think it's going to be a lot more than that. I hope um, so. I hope, I hope so. so. I hope they have more of a balance because uh, I did love the scene with him and Ransom in the books where Ransom's oh, like, whatever, oh. Grandpa. And, <laughs> and and then how Matthew just says, oh, well, you should have did it in the order I killed them instead of alphabetically. You know, yeah. where Ransom's going through his books. Like, Slow down. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep, I, like, let me find him to check him off. And Matthew remembered each and every one he killed and Mm -hmm. that is deep and that tells you where Matthew is in his head Yeah, Mm -hmm. he regrets every kill and I I think another thing under the stuff thing is in season three is I can't wait for some of these things to sink in with Marcus because I don't think when Marcus finally realizes the import of what everybody's mad oh Baldwin betrayed the baby and it's like no Baldwin protected Marcus because Marcus he survived one call he won't survive two yes for as much as Marcus was being a punk yeah. Baldwin protected him and yeah. I can't wait to see season three and hopefully see Marcus's realization is like oh, oh shit this stuff isn't that easy you know balancing the good of one group over another and the many versus the few and mm-hmm. oh you, you sacrificed a baby no he didn't sacrifice anything he just hastened the inevitable because yeah. there was no way that Agatha was going to be able to hide uh-huh. the fact that she has a grandchild who's a witch that's not going to happen so anyways but Marcus's growth is a leader I think we're yes. going to see a lot of too. Yeah, I believe so. Because you're not told you're a leader and like, okay, yeah. I can do it now. You have to grow into that role. And he hasn't had a whole lot of time to grow into that role. I mean, Matthew kind of left in a fever and said, here you go, kid. Bye. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> okay, so 
Uh, Jean, I'm going to leave this to you. I have written down Hot Mess Matthew. Oh, the la- oh, the Hot Mess Matthew. Okay. I just figured now, now's a good time before the yeah, end of season two, beginning of season three, just to give everybody a cute little refresher on why we call him Hot Mess Matthew. Um, just because I see some things out and about where people may not understand the U.S. slang uh, and the actual meaning of the term Hot Mess and may have projected meanings into it that aren't exactly accurate. And it's, you know, I think someone has actually said they find find the term condescending and respect to Matthew. We have to stop, though. Give the origin story. Okay, the origin story of Hot Mess Matthew. Very first con, our panel was entitled Matthew Claremont, or Hot Date, or Hot Mess. Now, it's pop culture. I mean, everybody loves Matthew. Matthew is the perfect man, the perfect boyfriend. Oh, Sweeney. Well, Matthew isn't perfect. Matthew's complex. Matthew does dumb things. Matthew is reactionary. Matthew's barely keeping it together. Matthew leaves chaos in his wake with some of his harebrained decisions or refusal to decide. Yes. That's where hot mess comes from. And that's what hot mess means. It's like somebody barely keeping it together. Someone who left chaos in a chaotic occasion or a chaotic situation. And in many ways, that's Matthew. Down to his tell in the book of running his hand through his hair and it's standing straight up. Mm -hmm. So when we use the term hot mess, that means... Matthew's being Matthew. Matthew's being complex. Matthew's contradicting himself. Hot mess is not the same as hot garbage. Remember yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's never, ever all... been hot garbage. He's never been no. a dumpster fire. He is a hot mess. He And that is his whole complex nature in, two, in a pop culture term. Right. Was that, I mean, was that generally understood in that discussion? No, I, it went right oh. over the individual's head. It was kind of like, uh, mm, okay. okay, well, maybe we can explain further. Maybe they're not listening and don't care. Yeah, whatever. Here's a link to the <laughs> pant. <laughs> I don't yes. have time to, to type fun. out an hour explanation or maybe listen to our podcast and you'd understand why we use the term. So yeah. anybody. Or maybe we're not your style. So it's fine. Yeah. It's all, it's all good. Here I'm but, thinking like, why do we have but, to explain it all? But, yeah, we know. But don't say we're being condescending when it's not meant that way. We love Matthew. We love, love, love Matthew. And we love Matthew Good's portrayal of Matthew. And he does a tremendous job of portraying, portraying him as a hot mess. And being the hot mess. That's what makes him so fascinating. He's chaos making. That's what he yes. is. Yes. And, and we don't mess. We like him more for it. We, right. And, and think of it this way, too. You see like TikTok videos or whatever of moms who are hot messes. I relate to that. I get yeah. that. I don't want to see the June Cleaver who's perfect on the outside, has the veneer. Everything's going on. She can do it all because everyone knows that's and a fallacy. And all the filters so. are working, working in her yeah. favor. Yeah. So if you think, oh, how can you call someone a hot mess? And that's affectionate because I'm a hot mess. It's, and, you know, it's relatable. It's, it's relatable. It exactly. More relatable. He's not your typical perfect vampire. So that's my soapbox and I'm stepping off it now. We're not perfect. Yeah. I will give an example. For those of you who have listened for a very long time, you have all known I did not like Matthew at first. And I realized the moment he showed his hot messiness is when I loved him Mm -hmm. with Hamish. That's when I was like, oh, There is more to you. You're just not this button down clown who sneaks in girls' houses occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's it. That's all we have. Anything else to add to the season three stuff and other things? No. (laughs) No. And other things. And other things. Okay. You guys stick around after this break. We'll do last things or uh, sorry. Last thoughts and things we can't let go of. (laughs) This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. 
You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact, and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep it alive. Okay. Anybody have any last thoughts, guys? I do. Go ahead. Angela has a last thought. What? I have a, I have a, I know. First, a first last thought. Um, oh, God. Although it was amazing. I had a last thought. Right. Season three is my last thought. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in our interview with Jane Tranter, I said it started with saying in Deb we trust and then it evolved into in Bad Whip we trust. So for those reasons alone, I should be looking forward to season three. And, you know, my defense mechanism, you should have no expectations. So I, I can't be disappointed. But now having spoken with Jane Tranter, I feel like she called the Discovery Witches her firstborn. And just the way she described characters and plot lines and the thought and care that went into it, she knows these characters and loves these characters as much as we do. I mean, I, at some point I thought she knows them better than we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like she wants us to succeed. She wants season three to, again, be all of our hopes and dreams. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it, before I was just going into it going, I have no expectations. Whatever happens, happens and I'll be happy. Now I'm I'm excited. I'm really jazzed to have season three be on my screen. Listen, it might even enhance my view of the third book. Agree. Yes. Because at first, everybody knows who's listened to us for a while. Book three is probably third on the list of our favorite books of the trilogy. <laughs> yes. But I mean, it doesn't mean we don't love the story. It just means eh, there were some choices and things maybe we don't gel onto because actually it's kind of a night and day book to Shadow of Night where Shadow of Night kind of drew things out for you and book of life is like okay next thing next thing is very fast and plotted like that you couldn't luxuriate in it no there was no luxuriation (laughs) in any of it (laughs) so i think having the tv show will enhance my view of the book actually yeah Mm -hmm. now see my last thought is the flip side of that coin i'm not ready to let go of season two yet this is our first weekend without uh a live tweet. Epi- <laughs> yeah, a live tweet or an episode <laughs> debuting today, and I kind of miss mm-hmm. it. And for that, I'm looking forward to a whole new audience seeing this when AMC debuts it on cable in June, and we can kind of relive all of this excitement of the last couple months all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a busy time for us, but it's been exciting for sure. Yeah, it'll make the wait more bearable, I think, for season three as well. So season three, we know 2022 
That's mm-hmm. going to be out, which does make sense because we did have that gap year. But people are like, oh, 2022. That's so far. Away. That's a year from now. You know? yeah, yeah, I was going to say nine months. It's nine nine months months. and they've got a lot of post-production to do and keep this in mind too. When they did post-production for season two, Jane was saying that was the only thing anybody had. Everybody's efforts were focused on a discovery of witches. They did not have multiple projects going on at the same time like they do now. They're ramping back up his dark materials and they've got new things in the hopper. So nine months to get these episodes fluffed up and in pretty shape and all the CGI added and everything else, they're working pretty damn hard. I I think that's... God, we'll be lucky if we get it in January. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about Mm -hmm. this. And overall, I'm very pleased so far. Yes. I I decided I'd be a good vampire because, Gene, you're still wanting the live tweet tonight. I'm like, check. That box is closed. Next compartment, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much I want the live tweet tonight. I kind of just don't know what to do with myself after we finish up this episode this afternoon. It's like, wait a minute. I don't hear (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. To do. There's a lot of people out there going, there's no more episodes on Saturday morning. What am I going to do now? I mean, (laughs) that's what I've. A lot of people are saying that. Right. Um, well, I mean, I'm probably going to keep you guys busy. Be like, hey, we're going to record a chapter today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, Jean, you have any other last thoughts that you want to bring out? I'm sorry. I didn't nope, mean to that's get into it. your time. That was my that's last it? thought. Yeah. Uh, we are going on a six-week break after this airs. Uh, so there will be no public show for six weeks. So we'll probably see you end of May, beginning of June. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing yeah. because you're like, we're recording tomorrow. I'm like, what are we recording? Because people were coming... <laughs> You must have said this in our other episode because people were congratulating us on the season and have fun on your hiatus. I'm like, hey, we're on yeah. hiatus. I, did, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I did mention it. I did mention it. I was like, we're going to do a rap episode. And then, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, audience, like I said, like we said in the past two episodes, we said it on the Jane interview and we said it on season or I'm sorry, episode 10. Episode 10. Yes, we are going to take your comments and we're going to correlate them when the episodes air on AMC. So we will put up little mini episodes like little after yes. parties. After parties. On our public feed. Yay! That's good. Yay. Let me see here. What else do I have to add to this conversation? Well, I already mentioned this is our last episode for six weeks after this. And we will make a mini announcement when we come back with chapters. And just a reminder again, we will be starting with where we left off, chapter 12 of the Book of Life. So that's where you can join up with us. And we'll make an announcement. Hey, chapters are back, guys. Join us this day, whatever. We're Mm -hmm. also going to change the day that we publish our episodes. We used to publish them Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. I'm going to change that to Sundays just because of the nature of when we record right now. We used to record Fridays and that would give me time to gather stuff on Saturdays and start the editing process. Now we record Saturdays and it throws me all off because I go back to work on Sundays and it throws me off and it fucks me up. So these past 10 episodes have been easier for me to sort through the files and edit and get it out by Sunday morning. So our future episodes will be going out on Sunday mornings now. Hey, but whenever you like to listen to it, it'll be there. (laughs) So if you listen to us on Thursday mornings, you can save it till Thursday mornings. I mean, it shouldn't matter to you, but I'm just letting you know that it won't be up on Thursdays. It'll be up on Sundays. Uh, That's that. Let me see. Anything you have to write into, just write us. I mean... Hey, miss you. Whatever. 
I was thinking about this. Write us. We'll read it. It's fine. What else? And if you liked, and for those of you who just joined us for this season of episodes for Discovery Witches TV, and you liked it, how about leaving us a review? That'd be great. Apple Podcasts or any of the other apps that allow you to leave a review. We really appreciate it. We love that. We need affirmation from people we talk to. So (laughs) just like everybody else, you know. I don't feel like I'm weak in saying that, you know, (laughs) just just throw some love here and there (laughs) because we need it. Sometimes after we go through these episodes, it's kind of grueling and it's like, "Mm." but when you guys say you enjoy what we do, we appreciate that. So five star reviews. We like them and they help us get found by other people. And also subscribe to us. That's huge. Subscribe to us so you don't have to go looking for our episodes. They just come to your device, right? Mm -hmm. That's important. Another thing, when you subscribe, we're in all the usual places, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, but we're in unusual places too, like Pandora, Audible, Amazon Music. We are there. I can literally say wherever you can find a podcast, We are there. So just go searching for us. We're there. It's been a delight entertaining you over these last 10 episodes. I just want to say that. Can't wait so we can do it one more time. One more time. It's been great. And we hope a lot of you who have joined us for the TV show, you join us for our chapter episodes because those are fun too. A lot of fun. Well, actually, a lot more work on our part (laughs) reading through the chapters and going through. And (laughs) I will warn you, our chapter episodes wind up being a lot longer than our TV show episodes. So you can split it into... We tend to get in the weeds in the chapters. (laughs) Yes. But the thing is, it's every two weeks that we put out a chapter episode. So you can split it if you want to. Anything else for our listeners? Are we we done and dusted? We're done and dusted, I think. Done and dusted. All right, audience. See you in six weeks. Yay. Bye. Demon Bye. Talk to you in six weeks. Mm-hmm.